Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Did you like that new pattern? We started off camera so that you can see the board just in case. And also it's in the newsletter every week, a picture of it for those of you who want to see it. So we're going to try and do that every single week. That's our new plan. Hopefully we can remember. Everybody keep your fingers crossed. And our other new plan is to put the word of the week, you know, that go with the posters up under here so that you can see that too. FYI, if you're trying to follow along with the word of the week. Yeah. Any of those things. Yeah, there it is. Um, we are... The day before Lent starts. That's when we're recording this. Yes. I don't know when you'll watch it. Yeah, don't get confused. It's <laughs> February 17th is when the day before Lent is. So we're just a little early. Yeah, we just wanted to invite you along. We love Easter maybe more than the average person on earth does. And so we celebrate Lent, which is a countdown to Easter. It's like the Advent season. It's the anticipation and the looking forward to yeah, it's like Easter. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas... Lent to Easter, that same thing. Right. And we love doing that. And so we put on our website this um, banner that you can hang up. And on our Instagram pages, we're going to be just doing thoughts and devotionals that lead all the way up until Easter during these 40 days. And that banner, if you want to see, I stole this off of Emily's counter. Um, it looks like, well, it will get printed off just that donkey picture, and then you can do a craft and make <laughs> yes. it look super. <laughs> Maria and I have been doing crafts all week. It's you can so make fun. it super cute. And I will not be doing all that, of but. it. Is coming out of this fun book that we wrote for Easter called "The Unexpected Deliverer," and we just want to show you all the unexpectedness of Jesus because sometimes, if you're waiting for a miracle, then all of a sudden you realize it could happen in so many ways that you maybe haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. So. If you missed any of that from last week, we wanted to invite you along for that journey on our Instagram pages and all that stuff you can download. And happy Easter already, 40 so days. Fun. Here we yeah. go. We're just jumping into Easter. Okay, section 20 through 22. We're going to really focus a lot on 20 and, and 21. And the background and context of both of those are pretty similar to each other. This kind of sets up the organizational structure of the church. And then you're going to see a lot in there that's taught, I think this week and, well, two weeks from now, a lot about, yes, 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 this is organization and function, but it's not necessarily the heart and soul of it. They're supposed to kind of bring about that. Sometimes we can get lost in titles and organization. Yes. And it's like, don't forget the purpose of all of these things as you go through. So when you look at the prayer and the need and the situation uh, for this, this is what's going on. It is April, 1830. If you've been around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for a while, that might ring a bell as familiar. It's the birthday um, of the reorganization of the church. And they are going to be gathered there together in the Peter Whitmer farmhouse um, that you may have been to or seen. And it is the time to officially organize um, the Church of Christ on the earth. And so you remember section 20 is what used to be called the Articles of the Church of Christ. Remember, Oliver went to the Book of Mormon, and then he wrote out the Articles of the Church, like, how is it organized? How do you get in? What are the ordinances? What do they believe? How do you get out? How do you, like, all of those, the first handbook. 
Yes. Then he gave it to Joseph. And you love that he went back to the Book of Mormon to find that, which also mirrors back to the New Testament. So you're just watching for the establishment of the Lord's church in the Lord's way. And this really is the administrating of the church. Right. That's a, that's a fantastic word for it. Um, so that's kind of the situation and, and the need. 21, we'll kind of get into that in just a second when we get to that. But we're going to start with, with 20. So this one, is, it's a unique section. It really is. It's, uh, if I'm right, and I'm never wrong, <laughs> name so that movie. Nervous. What you're <laughs> about to say right now. <laughs> name that movie. Um, Princess Bride, for those of you who aren't, who aren't into movies. Um, this is the one that is, uh, it's written really like handbooky. It's not so much the first voice person of the Lord speaking. Um, came by revelation, but I think it's interesting that the revelation's a little bit different in this one. It came by like, oh, Oliver, go through some inspired like study of the Book of Mormon in writing. Hand it to Joseph. Let Joseph be prayerful about editing here and there and moving things around. And so it's kind of a different revelatory process than just what 21 will be. Like Joseph just received the thoughts like in right in that moment and spoke them. It's just a mm-hmm. almost like a temple dedication prayer, which you I, know, where there's some more thinking and writing and working through it. And learning, which I actually love because sometimes we're going to have a question how to do thing, how to do things in our life or how to work out something. And sometimes the instructions are going to come, but a lot of times what the spirit is going to whisper is go into the scriptures. Yeah. Just go to the scriptures and start searching and write down what the Spirit guides you to write down and start making a list and where you feel inspired, maybe lean more into that for a little bit. So you love that you're watching this process of, we're gonna go through several things and let's just kind of lay it out. There's gonna be the things that make up the church and because of those things, then there are things that we know as a church and then there's gonna be an order of the church and within that order we're going to get the sacrament prayers which are super important to make sure we get right so you love that he's kind of laying out this is the instructional part that you work out what you can get from the book of mormon from the new testament but don't worry that this is the lord's church and the lord knows how he administers his church and how he organizes it and what it's going to look like so he's going to be right there guiding all along. And I just love the thought of that working things through with scripture and with the spirit and with the Lord. And couldn't we all do that in our life? Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, You may know this already. It was a group of six people. That was the law under the state of New York at the time that six people, and it was six who'd already been baptized, who kind of signed the document that said, okay, we're officially starting this you know organization in the state of new york and in the united states and this is what it's going to be um last week we called them ruffians and somebody wrote in and they were like why did you choose the word ruffians and my daughter-in-law were daughter-in-law and i were talking about it and i was like well have you ever been with a group of 20 21 22 23 year old (laughs) boys what would you call those boys and i just love the thought of that like enthusiasm in fact we were talking about when my son was that age he was going to byu and they lived in a house that they rented which they named wigwam and this was 
10 years ago and that house is still called wigwam today I, and if you, i'm naming my house if you knew all the things that happened at wigwam and you were a mother <laughs> your heart just like okay and i said to maria we just have to keep in mind that's who was starting the church, yeah, right? It was yeah. that enthusiasm and that excitement for life and that like, yes, nothing can stop us, right? We can do things like this. That I just love the thought of that. But at the same time, we had the opportunity, which is a really rare opportunity. And when we were there, we said this probably will never happen again to actually have church this summer right there where the church would have started. And to take the sacrament, which we will talk about a little bit later in this lesson. But to just sit there in that place, and there was about six of us who were there, and we actually all got to take the sacrament because of COVID and the conditions allowed something that would not normally happen be available to us in that place, which was such a remarkable moment. And as mm -hmm. we sat there, I can remember thinking to myself, just that this was like a moment never to be forgotten, like Oliver said. And to think back at this section 20, beginning of a church with six people who were receiving what the Lord was saying, this is how we're going to do it. You know, mm -hmm. those boys just gathered around and Emma and, um, you know, whoever else happened to be there. This is how it's going to look. And then to see what has come of just those six people compared to now. Yeah, and it's interesting that you, you know, as you said that, similar thoughts and feelings as we were there. Just It's this little log cabin. If you pass by it, there's nothing spectacular about it. Almost the way someone might have felt if they passed by the manger that Jesus mm. was born in. Like, what a normal place. Yes. What an ordinary thing that you would pass by. But to watch how God will sanctify that place, how he will make it holy and come into this group of ruffians and our memories of them and the way we talk about them are like sparkly almost. And that's because <laughs> Jesus, that's because of yes. the spirit that comes yeah. in there. This document is kind of divided up, like Emily was saying, into lots of different ways. One of the places we like to kind of make a dividing point is actually verse 17. And from here, we'll go backwards and forwards. But there's this phrase when you get to verse 17 in section 20 that says, by these things we know dot, 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 and we're going to get into that. But that's where we split the boxes on the study guide page because he's going to first make a list of things that have gone down, things that have happened since 1820, since that spring morning in the grove, all the way up until April 1830. That's been a thick decade of remarkable, amazing experiences. And that's what the first list you'll make. These are the things that have happened. And then now, because we saw those things and because of those things, we now know. And then the next list starts after that. And it's so fun to watch how the two play out with each other. This would be a fun thing to do in your family home evening or your come follow me class to sit down and say, okay, what were the things that had happened in those 10 years? And maybe let's just list some of those things that yeah. happened. Uh, verse 5 is a little cryptic, um, unless you know... Uh, what one of the things that happened there he says it was truly manifested unto this first elder that's joseph during section 20 joseph is going to be called the first elder and oliver is going to be called the second elder those are the only kind of like positions of organization they have so far um and the lord is the one who gave those ones to him you're going to watch that unfold mm -hmm. and develop but this first elder meaning joseph received a remission of his sins 
Remember that in one of the accounts of the first vision, um, Joseph writes that the Lord came and the first thing he said is, you are forgiven of your sins. So verse 5 is a reference to the first vision. So that's one of the things. By these things we know. What are we going to learn from the first vision? Um, what else? The angel You love visits. that the angel's going to visit. Moroni's going to come, plus more angels, right? How many people have come and brought back that rest, restored truth? Joseph's uh, kind of repenting and humbling, like all of his journey there, both in the first vision time and also with Martin Harris is in verse six, you know, all of those types of experiences. Then commandments start coming in verse seven. He tells us that. And in verse eight. And that would be sections one through 19 yep. plus any other revelations they got. Um, in verse eight, the Book of Mormon. So that becomes one of the things that has happened. And then verse 9 talks about, and not only the Book of Mormon, but all the things that are like written in the Book of Mormon. It's not just that it exists, but what does it actually teach? And you love you? that he wants to talk about this fullness of the gospel. Not just a gospel on earth, but the fullness of the gospel coming. Then the three witnesses start talking about in 10 and 11, you know, just like, oh, there will also be witnesses of that that, that have happened as well. Um, that you see as you go all the way up to verse 17. So, And there's this one line that we just love in there oh, that yeah. he talks about in verse 11 where it says this, God does inspire men and call them to his holy work in this age and generation as well as in generations of old. And I just love that thought that, that God is going to inspire men and women and he's going to call them to his holy work. And I don't know why, but that just makes me feel so excited to think, I want God to inspire me. And I want to be called to the work of building his kingdom. And sometimes that call is going to come in a bishop's office, right? Or through church organization. But sometimes that call is going to come by the Spirit saying, you could do a great work here. It might be within the walls of your home. It might be uh, in the places where you minister, but you might feel called to help one of your kid's friends. You might feel called to write something on Instagram or post something on social media. The Spirit will help us to know where we can add our voice to the building up of the kingdom. And I love that we should feel inspired mm. by this verse that he will inspire us and call us to his holy work wherever we are. We don't need a title to be called to the work. And that's pretty revolutionary for like the the scene, the religious scene of, of Joseph's day, that most of what was talked about as revelation during Joseph's time was a revealing that God just exists, right? Like that's the revelation that you can receive. But Joseph is teaching a different type of theology. He is teaching, yes, you can learn God exists, but God can actually speak mm -hmm. words, direction, comfort, like be involved and inspire you to be a part of the holy work. And and the book, the Book of Mormon, that he's already produced is teaching that too. Well, like, and so is the, the different... Doctrine and Covenants so far. Right. How many people have come and said, I want to help. I want a job. I want to do something. And you love that pretty much chapters 2 through 19 are, here's a job for you. Here's a job for yeah. you, right? Here's your purpose. And for some, it was to assist. And for some, it was to take care of what had been entrusted to them. And to some, it was to be a missionary. Like you love that everybody right. was going to have a different call or be inspired in a different way by what the Lord needed at that time. And I love 
the great work we could do if we just listen yeah. for that call. And that it's available. The fact that you can even, that God does do that is is remarkable. And yeah. and you might even put that, you might even put that in the we know box, right? Because of what we've saw happen since the sp- spring morning of 1820, one of the things we know is that God does inspire people and calls them to a holy work. And we've uses watched them. it. Yeah. He's going to really that. use people to do his work, which is so awesome to then, think about. Then 17. So here's where it's by these things. So everything that we've just listed, by these things we know. And then he starts listing out. Here are our foundational, central, golden truths. And the order is, I think, significant that he starts off, number one, there is a God in heaven. Mm. That is our leading truth. And what about him? He's infinite, eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting, the same unchangeable God. He's the framer and creator of heaven and earth and all things that are in them, particularly uh, man and woman created after his own image and his own likeness. Um, and, and then the commandments that he gives them to love and, and serve and live. And I think that's important. Live. Let's go to 18 for just a minute because I think this is really important and I don't think we talk about it enough. When it talks about he created man, male and female after his own image, which is so interesting when you start thinking about that. Um, in his own likeness, because you start realizing if he created man, male and female, after his own likeness, then we have to remember that is also male and female. And I love the thought of that in, in his own likeness, which when I think of God, I just love to think this. That's what we should remember is, is our view, our doctrine of God would be a father in heaven and a mother in heaven. And when he talks about creating man in his own image, male and female, because that is who he is. He is that uh, partnership. He is that likeness of that, that. That's what we're hoping for in the end. And I, I love that thought that from the very beginning, there is God, but then there's God who believes in male and female partnership and how important that is to progression and increase within the plan. Yeah, and he, I, I mean, I think it's even, we could do a better job within our own language of speaking and saying, and they created them in well, their it actually own does. likeness. It actually does you do know? that in the Pearl of Great Price. Right. There, it, it is in plural, and I love that it does that. So just to remember that fullness of progression and increase requires all of us, right? It requires those partnerships and that moving forward and that progression. And I love that from the very beginning, we know that. We know the importance of um, that male and female. That it wouldn't be his likeness without both. Yes. Their likeness, you know, without both. Yeah. Um, He talks about the doctrine of the fall in here Mm. um, in verse 20, but then jumps immediately to the solution of the fall which is, you know, by these things we know that Almighty God gave His only begotten Son. That's verse 21. That He suffered temptations and gave no heed. That He was crucified, He died, and rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father. So 
he just starts listing all of these truths. Then he moves into... Yeah, he wants to go to baptism. Right, the gospel, and the And then the, the Holy Ghost will come. He wants to talk about prophets. The holy prophets were inspired, and we listen to those words. Um, in verse 28, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one God, infinite and eternal, without end. We know that all men must repent and believe and worship and endure. And then we love at the end where he wants to talk about... We know that justification through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is just and true. And I love that because in essence, what he's saying is we know that grace is going to be a great part of this journey and we know it's real, right? We know the power of grace and it's part of our gospel. That justification could be defined as a forgiveness of sin, like a a wiping away of sin. I'm justified before the Lord. Uh, to be justified is for guilt to be removed. And right here at the beginning, he's like, our doctrine is that's done by the grace of Jesus Christ. Yep, that overcoming that comes by virtue of the cross, which I love. They want they want us to know that's part of this church, but also that sanctification or becoming, right? There's going to be an overcoming. Maybe justification looks like the overcoming through grace and a sanctification which becomes the becoming through grace. And both of those things are going to be part of this church, that we know um, these things are true. And in verse 35, he says that. We know these things are true. And and I think I'm 31, I've never noticed this before. I've always said it, and I was like, oh, here's the scriptural <laughs> backing for what I've said, where he just says, that justification, he says, is by the grace of Jesus. It's that gift that's given. Mm. Sanctification, which also happens through grace, but is almost activated through loving and serving God with all your heart, mind, and strength. That I've always said in my mind, like, oh, being saved, forgiven, was the work of Jesus on the cross. It's discipleship that requires the, the heart, the mind, mind, and strength. The it's the becoming. It's that choosing to be like, okay, change me now right transform me um it's the difference between just salvation and that covenant path to exaltation it's it's just that one more step of becoming and i love that as you go through this list of what they knew on that day on the farm you know in 1830 this is that they were going to sit down and say this is what we know because of what we've experienced so far and how awesome would it be to sit down and make your own list of what you know right now because what you've experienced so far and what would your list look like? I don't know if I've ever said this before or not, but when I was in high school, I am a journal writer. I love to write. And so I had a tradition that I would buy a brand new journal. This worked out perfectly because my birthday is on December 31st. So January 1st, I would buy a brand new journal for that year and I would write in it the whole year as far as it got full. Sometimes I would fill the whole thing, sometimes not. But my tradition was on my birthday, so on December 31st, I would write down what I knew at the end of that year, every year. And Mm. it was so fun to go back and look at. It kind of was my list of what I knew when I was 16 and what I knew when I was 17 and then what I knew when I was 18 just so fun to watch that that's going to change you're going to grow and progress and you might not think you know very much right now and here's the awesome thing that's fine on this list i think i i marked 13 things that they knew when the church started they were like well we believe 13 things i think we can start a church right (laughs) 
<laughs> I love the thought that that list for Joseph probably tripled or quadrupled by the time his life was over. But how fun to watch that this is what we know in 1830 because this is what we've experienced and what would your list of what you know look like right now? And even with a small list, they're like, we're still disciples, we're still called and inspired and part of the holy work, no matter how long or short that list may might look like. Yeah. That's such a rad principle. Um, the, the rest of the section kind of divides up a lot of, okay, here's the organization. And so starting in verse 38, you're going to start seeing, um, here are just the different duties or responsibilities of different like, um, positions or capacities within, you know, within the church. So within the church organization, here's what this group of people are going to be in charge of doing. And this group of people are going to be in charge of doing as you move throughout the entire thing. And I think it's important right here to just talk about within the church, you're gonna see uh, Barbara Morgan Gardner talks about this so well, two different things happening. You're going to see uh, a hierarchical order or an administrative order of the church, which is not the patriarchal order. A patriarchal order would be what we talked about God earlier, This a man and a woman, equally working together to raise up a family, a family. but also yeah. to progress and increase in life. That's, that is one order that we see. Another order we see within the church is an administrative order. And that we were just talking about before is how the Lord instructed his church to be set up. And it was set up like that in the New Testament. It was set up like that in the Book of Mormon. It was reset up like that here. And you're gonna see him go through here and talk about this is what an apostle does. This is a priest, this is a teacher. He's gonna lay out some of these roles that just actually help the church to function. But it's so awesome because in verse 38, he says the duty of the elders, priests, teachers, deacons, and members of the Church of Christ. And I love that as he's going through, he's he's gonna say there are gonna be people who hold temporal assignments for a time. That's gonna be true for the working of the government of the church. That's just what's gonna happen. But all of these things that are listed are gonna imply apply to the members of the church at large in some ways. And we wanted we thought it's so awesome if you start at 38 and go through 69 and really we should have just left that box on there blank i i think i just got carried away and was so (laughs) so excited excited. about the words that are in there but it might be nice to like not look at the box and take a look at yes there are some things that are going to be specific to like um, a deacon a teacher a priest but very few of them there's so much that we could learn as as each of us as members of the Mm -hmm. church with and the verbs are what you're looking for that are that are in there. So it might be nice to cover it first and kind of do your own study and then come back. But if you look at those verbs... Yeah, it's so they, fun. Just read some yeah, of them because they are uh, so fun. To confirm. You might use that as like a confirmation of the Holy Ghost. But to confirm is to validate. It's to, it's to say yes to, you know, to something that somebody believes or is doing. To teach, to expound, to exhort, to preach, to watch over to visit, to be with. That's one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. on the whole list. I love that one too it's so much. to be with someone, mm-hmm. um, to assist, to strengthen, to meet together, to invite. There are so many really rad verbs in there. And then, oh, and, and to flesh each of those out. 
What do those look like in your current capacity as a neighbor, as a family member, as a member of a congregation, um, as a as a whatever, you know? Yeah. It's like, what does it look like to expound in my current capacity um, that I'm living in all the areas of my life? Uh, if you go all the way to that verse 69, how that list ends up is it uses two phrases that we love. And it says, the members shall manifest before the church and also before the elders by a godly walk and conversation. Almost like you could sum all of those up with like, this is what God's walk and conversation would look like. And you and I, as those who have been created in his image, um, which is an interesting word that's coming from Genesis. And in ancient people, when they thought of image, they thought of a statue. Right, the image of the gods was like a statue of Zeus. Now, clearly, that's not Zeus. Mm -hmm. And Abraham Lincoln's image at the in Washington D.C. is not Abraham Lincoln. But when you look at it, you're like, oh, I look at that and I think of him and everything he stood for and everything he taught. So, if we are in the image of God, we're supposed to be the walking, talking represent representatives of him. Like someone would look at us and say, oh, I see what God would be in you. So that godly walk and conversation is, this is how God would treat people. This is how he would talk with people. This is how he would converse. And it's all those verbs. And I love when you think about that, when he says um, in there, he says, a godly walk and conversation that they are worthy of it, that there may be works and faith agreeable to the Holy Scriptures, walking in all holiness before the Lord. And I love the thought of that works and faith. And sometimes that becomes a big topic of conversation for us, particularly if you are talking to someone who is a traditional Christian um, and wants to talk about what is the purpose of works and what is the purpose of faith here. And I think it is so important because they grow us, but it's important for us to, to know what is the difference. And I love the description that we read in Philippians and it's in um, chapter two where it talks about it. Um, he says this, it tells us, work out your own salvation in verse, I'm in Philippians 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not just in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And for some reason, we always stop there. Um, that, that's where we end is in that. And we forget to go to the next verse, which gives us such a good understanding when he says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And to remember that that work, that's us allowing God to do his work in us, to do that sanctification that we were talking about, that becoming. We're allowing him to do that work in us. And sometimes when I read this, I wanna to think to myself, when it talks about that they are worthy of it, that, they, um, that there may be works and faith. And I wanna think about this. We have faith in him for what he can do with us. And that's where faith comes in, that we have faith that he actually could do something in us. But we have to remember, he also believes in us. The same as we believe in him to do his work in us, he believes in us to do that same work. And I love that thought of faith and work mm. together, the balance of them, him working in you, you believing that he can, is what actually, allows us to become or to walk in a godly walk, right? A godly walk would be a walk that 
becomes us, that helps us to become more like him, that's walking in holiness. It's choosing that covenant path of becoming. And I love that thought that sometimes we look at faith and works and then we get so caught up in works and the working of it and and we want to do it, right? We're like, oh, okay, I have to push harder. I have to go harder. I have to be more perfect. And yet if we study that word work, we realize, no, it's just saying, I'll let him work in me. I'll listen when the spirit calls me to do something. I'll respond. When I take his name in the sacrament, I'll actually stand as a witness of that all week long. Work can either exhaust us or it can exhilarate us. And we've talked about that before. But I think it depends on how we enter into that work. And for me, it's been really helpful in the last several years to just think work means when you see that word, am I allowing him to do his work in me? And because of that work he's doing in me, how am I being transformed to be better? I wrote this as I was just doing my study last week of um, this section and stuff like that. This quote from uh, Elder Christofferson um, that he talked about the sacrament, which we're going to go to right now. But he uses a phrase that is just right along with what you're saying. Um, and it, he said this, um, which is fun that I wrote this down because why did I, you know, he says, let us not be content to retain some disposition to do evil. Let us worthily partake of the sacrament each week. And here's the part. And continue to draw upon the Holy Spirit to root out the last vestiges of impurity within us. Hmm. And um, he's talking about the sacrament being this great time um, to like think of our, you know, our godly walk in conversation. But I love that he uses that line. Let's partake of the sacrament each week and draw upon the Holy Spirit to root out those um, unworthy yeah. and ungodly walks and conversations yeah. out of us. To work in us, yeah, work right? In that, me. That's what's happening. And I just, oh, I love the thought of that. I wish we could remember it. Well, we're supposed to each week, <laughs> right? That's what's so interesting about it is the yes. promise of the, sa- let's, let's go into the sacrament yeah. prayers right now, which are, Everything that's happened in here, and I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but to have the sacrament prayers to come after all of this talk, almost as if a way to just like, okay, what are you going to think of each week during the sacrament? And and the promises in there are so that the Holy Spirit may always be with you, you know, so that the grace of, of mm-hmm. God may be working in you. Like here's, here's the instructions to allow this, yeah. you know, to happen and... I remember thinking one time while taking the sacrament, um, it was Christian's turn to bring the bread to church. And I saw him just like grab the bread out of the basket, you know, in our pantry. No one else knew where it came from, but he just snagged it and like ran to church with it. And, and uh, you know, like, sorry, Jenny, our pantry's not super organized, just in the back. And like, I mean, it's, you know, whatever. Yeah, every pantry, yeah, just yeah. so you know. I just know. didn't want her to feel all dogged moms, on that. All moms want Jenny to know our pantry looks like yours. Yes. So he just took it, but then I was like sitting there in the meeting and like we, that, that bread, he says, is sanctified. It became holy because it was placed upon the altar in the name of Jesus. It became holy. And I was like, I know where that bread came from, mm-hmm. it, from the back of the pantry. And I started to think about that reminder of, of me, that here I am, this backwoods person, you know, from the back of the pantry. But if I put myself on the altar 
and I let that Holy Spirit do its work in me that I can become something holy. I can turn from something so normal and so ordinary and become a symbol and a representative of Jesus to other people. Yeah, that's so good. And um, I think we're we're reminded of that every single week. You know, like we're reminded of it's in it's the work of Jesus. Like the priests are reenacting the crucifixion. It's it's because of his death and resurrection that you can be made holy. Like remember that each week. Let that work in you. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all of those things with the yeah. sacrament. I think come so together. Good. So well, we were talking right before we started that one of the things that when we were there at that Peter Whitmer farm taking the sacrament, I had a thought about the sacrament that I'd never had before. And maybe it was just the being there in that place where they took the sacrament for the first time and and how unique of an opportunity that was. But as our friend Keith was saying, the prayer on the bread, he just said, um, we eat this in remembrance of the body of thy son. And for the first time I thought, wait, he always refers to the church as his body, each different members of his body, that we eat this in remembrance of, of each other, not only of him and what he's done, but to remember who he did it for. And, and that we think about all those people that are in our that circle the, and the, the, the body, body of Christ. And I love, as you think about that, as you go to that place, because what is the covenant that we're making, that we're renewing every single week when we take the sacrament is to bear one another's burdens and to mourn with those that mourn and to comfort those that stand in need of comfort and and to stand as a witness of what Jesus would do every time we come yeah, upon someone else, someone who is the body of Christ. How do we act? How do we respond? And every week we take the sacrament to remind us Respond like me. Yeah. Respond like I would. And it's interesting to think of him saying, I'll make you more holy and I'll make you more sanctified. I'll make you more like me. Not so you can enjoy the status of a sanctified being, but so that you are more capable to do a godly work in someone else's life mm. so that you can be more powerful. Like, what's the value of being sanctified so that I can, I'm going to the celestial kingdom, (laughs) you know, like the value of becoming more holy is now you are more capable and able to minister to and love in the way that God would Mm. to his, to his people. And that sacrament prayers, we could go on forever and ever and always about that, but just some maybe new thoughts about the significance of and the I think this, just as we leave that, it's been so interesting to be able to have the sacrament every week in our homes. And mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone else feels like this. I haven't even asked you if you feel like this, but I feel like it has raised the level of the spirit in our home. Mm. I just have felt that over this time. And sometimes we describe when a missionary leaves on a mission that you come back to your home and you just, you feel something different. Like you've brought a new baby into the home. You feel a, a spirit that maybe... Uh, lifts lifts your home and it's been true like that with the sacrament for me that I have felt our home elevated that's the best Mm. way to to explain it that our home the spirit in our home has been elevated 
And as we start talking about finally going back to church, which I'm so excited about because I just, I find that I miss people. The body. Yeah, I miss the body of Christ. But there is part of me that I'm so hesitant to lose that blessing Mm -hmm. that comes every Sunday in our home. And I wonder if we'll look back at this time and that will be one of the things that becomes fond to us is that we were able to bring the spirit of Christ into our home in such great capacity over these months and this year. Yeah. Oh, I already, yeah. It's like, oh, I already know that. Mm. Like, I can't even think about that table that we sit around like the same ever again. Yeah. You know, just that, but that ordinary place mm. has become so sacred. And it's interesting, like we have a certain place too. I wonder if you do too, that just that place that has become a little bit more holy. Yeah. Through this. Um, section 21 has um, a really similar like background. So that prayer and need and situation. Um, section 21 actually comes before section 20. If you want to be Doctrine and Covenants nerdy. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't even say Doctrine and Covenants, right? What was that word? Um because section 20 takes some time for them to kind of put together and then kind of give it to the saints. But section 21 actually happened, like was received by Joseph on April 6, 1830 in that home in front of everyone there. They partook of the sacrament together. And then um, after Oliver and Joseph were ordained as first and second elder, signed the thing, sustained took the sacrament together, and then he says the Holy Spirit was poured out upon us. We rejoiced, some prophesied, and then he says, and I received this word of the Lord in front of everyone there. And I don't know who scribed it, maybe Oliver. That's like his, he likes doing that. Um, some, then someone sat down and he spoke these words and they were scribed right in the presence of everybody who was there, which I imagine would be pretty rad to have sat there and yeah, watched, watched that, it. you know, watch yeah. that happen. And there's some things that we learn in here. Um, don't miss this in, ver- oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why we named it that. <laughs> Oh, that's so lame. Okay, I did not do that on purpose, everybody. <laughs> All right. Now we want to know what verse you were going to yeah. go to. Well, verse 1, where he says this, real quick. We have in the study guide here, what's the first direction of the new church? Mm. The very first thing that he says to a newly reorganized church is, Behold, there shall be a record kept among you. That's the first statement in verse 1. And, and you might skip over that. But I think it's pretty significant that right off the bat, now don't feel bad. You think now you have to buy a journal on your birthday every year uh, because of that. That was really fun. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Was? Do you not do it anymore? I don't do it anymore. I want you to start again. Okay. That's so awesome. Uh-huh. My nephew wrote this list at the end of the year. He's like, here's all the things I've learned this past year. Similar thing. And I was like, I want to do that. So yes. I really want you to start that okay. again. Not okay. because of verse one, but... This is what we were talking about before. At first, it sounds really boring. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be a journal keeper. Just do Instagram. Um, (laughs) But he says, I want you to keep a history. That he sees something really important about keeping a history. And I'm so glad they did. Because the history is what focuses on the people and the story. Like it shows you these revelations are in context of real people and real situations and I want you to see not just the revelations, but how the revel- revelations lived out in people. Yeah, it helped becomes a people, story, right? right? Yeah. But you start realizing, oh, this was a journal. 
And this is a journal right here um, of a different group of people. And the Bible is a journal of a different, like it's just journals. People were just keeping journals and you love that he's like, uh, you should, you should keep a journal, right? Yeah. This is gonna be important to people someday, um, this record, which made you start thinking, how good am I at keeping that record of what's my story with God? What does yeah. that look like? Yeah, I think that's such a rad thing to think about. It's just like, wait, I didn't give revelations. I gave revelations to people in need and people in want. Like mm. there's something very significantly different about those. And he's like, keep a history so people can see me, me in working and moving in it. Yeah. Um, that's so good. He tells them, okay, and in that record, this is what, here are some of the responsibilities that you, Joseph, are going to have. Um, and he makes a list of five things. You're going to be a seer, a translator, a prophet, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and an elder of the church. Like those are some of the things that you're going to be known by because there are going to be descriptions of your particular responsibilities during a season of time. And sometimes we look at that list and it's it's all the same word. It's like a thesaurus, right? We're like, oh, prophet means seer, translator, uh you know, apostle, all, revelator, apostle, yeah, all, the all things. those things. And I'd love to sometimes take the time to go through and think, well, what exactly, how does that define his role by understanding that word better, right? A seer means he would be a seer. He'd be able to see things. Um, <laughs> S-E-E dash E-R, because it sounded like you said the same. A seer would be a seer. A seer. Yeah. And um, that he'd be able to see things that were coming, that were, you know, ahead of us. Or see things in a different light that oh, are in that our too. present. Yeah, I yeah. see this differently than maybe the rest of you see it. Um, I remember when Elder Packer died, my dad on the day he died said to me, I'm sad because I think he was one of the best seers of our generation. Mm. And then I wanted to go back and read all of Elder Packer's talks to see why did my dad think that mm. about mm. him? Um, a translator, just to think about what did he translate? What did Joseph translate? And how did that make a difference to and, us? Or, or even to put it in different words, like what words of God did he make available, you know, and understandable mm. for us and applicable for us? Yep. A prophet speaks for the Lord, right? That's what a prophet does. An apostle we know because we hear it so often in general conference is a special witness. And then we love this definition of elder that's from Harold B. Lee, a conference report in April 1970, that an elder means defender of faith. Don't you love that title of elder? And just to think of that list of what, um, what Joseph would be called and what he would do, but then to think about it also with like President Nelson. And as we look at him, we see all of that in him, right? He is such a seer of what is happening and as he goes through and speaks for the lord and is a special witness but i love that thought too of how much a defender of the faith he really is yeah and it's just neat that um, this is just particularly to joseph in this occasion but you and i can make a similar list of things that he was like and here are the things that you will do here are some of the responsibilities that you will have in that body of christ mm -hmm. right Someone will have to take the role of the ear and the eye and the foot, you know, and the neck <laughs> yes. and all those things. And Joseph, here are going to be some of yours. And, and then to anybody else, here are going to be some of yours. But 
the last line of that verse yes. is... Oh, it's the best part of Yeah, it verse. just teaches about him and us. And it says, you're going to be all these things, but only through the will of God the Father, because I chose those for you. You're not particularly qualified because of anything that you've done, but you're going to be those things because I chose you to be those things for a particular season and through the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ. And I love when he's saying that, that um, he says, to which this happens to all of us so often. This is my will for you right now. And we might look at it and be like, I can't, I'm not capable of mm -hmm. that right now. I, I don't feel up to the task of what your will is for me right now. And I love that he just follows it right up by saying, and uh, the grace of Jesus Christ, right? This is, this is the what, my will. And the how is my grace. And it's both of them together that is going to allow that work to take place. And so encouraging. If you are just on a drive to work and the Spirit whispers to you, this is what I would like you to do for this particular person. Or the, I have an errand for you. And for you to think, that, for him to say, this is my will for you. But also to know that with that is an encouragement It'll be through the grace of Jesus Christ that you can actually do it. Mm. So don't worry. It's by my will and through his grace. Yes. Oh. Here is your call. Don't you want to just say that after every prayer? By my will and through his grace. You right, know? right. Yes. <laughs> just, you just keep that in mind. No, I'm going to do that forever. Okay. Um, this section is really important because uh, Joseph has been pulling people together, you know. Like, okay, everybody's just coming. He he almost like has just had this organizational structure in his mind of we're all going to do this together. Um, but this section kind of puts Joseph as almost the first among equals, right? And starts to establish um, an order sort of our of yeah, our order and understanding of like, oh, there, there will be an administrative head, mm -hmm. you know, to these things. But some really nuanced instruction that I think... Um, would be good for us to work through. I drew a little picture in the in the study guide, you'll see, and it's up there on the board. Like, you almost wanna ask the question, what's the relationship between the prophet and the Lord, between the two of them? And then what's the relationship between the people and the prophet, mm -hmm. you know? And if you look in, the majority of that starts in verse four, where he says, wherefore, meaning the church, thou shall give heed unto all his, the prophet's words and commandments. Now keep going because it says, which he shall give unto you as he receiveth them walking in all holiness before me. So as he walks in all holiness before God and receives words and revelations from him, he says, you are to receive those. Not all his words, mm -hmm. not all his statements, but the ones that he receives in all holiness from him in all holiness before me. Poor Joseph said one time, I'm not even allowed to have my own opinion anymore, <laughs> you know? Um, but the what but I do receive direction, you know, from the Lord as I walk in all holiness. For his word, verse five, you shall receive as if from my own mouth, and then these words might be my favorite favorite. In all patience and faith. Hmm. We have uh, a what do you call this? Attention you know, in our faith tradition that has prophets that on one end, we believe, like section 20 said, God does inspire people and he does speak through them. 
But we also believe that they are mortal and <laughs> fallible at the same exact time. And there is a tension there. And, and everybody wants us to be really cut and dry. But it can't be. And I'm glad it's not. But mm-hmm. you have this one end where you're like, if you say every single word that he ever speaks or thinks or says is God's word. It's like you would be a fanatic. Too far. But if you went into it and said, oh, that's probably his own opinion and his own culture and his own whatever every single time, then you might call that faithless. And we have got, we do live in that tension of I have to find myself somewhere in here where sure he can be influenced by culture and make mistakes. But I also believe that God speaks and inspires. And and you want to add this right here and is working in him in the process. Yep. And I think it's like, oh, that's why that last phrase is so good. Mm-hmm. Right? Where it says, in, in all patience and faith. God has patience and faith with him. With us, we have a whole lot of patience and faith with God and the prophet. And he's like, in this tension, just live with Christian virtue. And yes, I do inspire. Yes, but I'm working and it's like, oh, and I really think that that tension is beautiful. And it's what grows us. Yes. Right? It's what grows us. And it's why we also connect to him to help to figure out how the kingdom moves forward. And you love that we are actually within the process of restoration. We all are. We're living it together um and it's just it's it's fun but there are ruffians still right yeah yeah, (laughs) still we're just doing our best everyone doing their best and And it's just a beautiful call it's a beautiful call from for every situation that has tension just like will you just approach this with a lot of patience and a lot of faith and you love that he's like and i'm going to give you some promises if you'll do it right it's not going to be easy but I'm going to give you some promises. Why it's worth yep. the, the effort, the engagement, right? Yeah, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, because it's hard sometimes. It is hard. And I'm sure everyone has had a conference or a conference talk that they've left and thought, I, I'm going to have to wrestle with this one for a time. And I need to gain a witness of this and an understanding. And, and you feel that tension pulling and, and it requires that patience and faith. But and, and you stay. Just, I'm going to throw this in because... That name Israel, we've all learned and been talking about a lot, means one who prevails with God. It also means that name, one who wrestles with God. And I think there's something neat about both of those names. To be called Israel means I'm one who wrestles with God and I'm one who prevails, you know, with God also. Oh, it's so good. And you love these promises. They are such good promises. This is what he says in verse 6. Um, first, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Um, that's kind of a weird sentence structure when you think about it. We like thinking of it this way, um, that they, you won't be kept in hell. They won't prevail against you um, because you're going to have the power and the ability through covenant and ordinances and, um, and commandments and law to, to not let those gates of hell prevail over you. You will overcome and you will become. They will not keep you in. Um, The second one is right there. He will disperse the powers of darkness from before you. I love that one because darkness represents so many things in my life. 
probably the same for you. It can represent how I feel. Um, do you ever have those moments where you're just like, oh, it's just, if I had to describe that year, it, the word that would come to mind would be dark. It just was a hard year. Sometimes we talk about darkness and like, I can't see where to go from here that I just, I, I need that light to be able mm. to move forward. And I love that he says, um, following the prophet and letting him guide the church and letting the spirit work within you is going to disperse that darkness from you. And then the, and, and it's cool that it's like, it will disperse the power of mm. darkness. Like you might still have it, but it will not have power over yes, you. It will not so be, good. you know what I mean? There's yeah. something about like, that's so good. And then we love this one. It will cause the heavens to shake for your good and his name's glory. And we're just love that thought about heaven shaking for your good and, and also for his glory, that good things are going to come. And you sometimes see that phrase heaven shaking in second coming scripture, in signs of the times scripture. And that's something that we want to talk about. We actually have been doing a a great study on that over the past couple weeks and years, <laughs> yes, but really a lot of discussion um, because we thought it would be fun as we get to section 29 and then section 45. And we are talking about second coming things to be able to dive into some of these second coming topics yeah. and what we wish we knew more of in 29 and 45. And as we started working on it, we realized there's way too much for a don't miss this video either 29 or 45 because all of a sudden we were like we should talk about the book of revelation we should talk about ezekiel daniel matthew 24 Joel, and yeah. joseph smith uh matthew and all of a sudden there was so much stuff and then we were like should we just make a master class <laughs> so everyone we are working on a second coming master class and we will talk about this what it means for the heavens to shake as we think about for our good and for his name's glory as we go into that, which will be super fun. And you'll be hearing more about that as we get closer to DNC 29. But we put some references there that if you want to start that study, just there at the bottom um, of like different spots, you see that phrase used in scripture and what it could mean for heavens to shake for your good. Yep. So good. And as we close, I just want to say this. I've been working on this section 20 a lot with my daughter, Grace, who is about to teach a seminary class on it. And as we were going through, she said, sometimes we get to sections like this and we get so caught up in priesthood titles, deacon and teacher and priest. And then it's hard to get in and really look at what else is underneath that chapter. And sometimes we do go through times or sections that are heavy in the organization of the church, that are heavy in the titles of the church. And there might be times as a woman where we ask our question, where is my place in this work? And what did the Lord have in mind for me in this work? And I think it is so tender and also not coincidental that what happens in about three sections from here is an entire chapter written to a woman. In the whole Doctrine and Covenants, an entire chapter that just is gonna talk about the role of a woman and what that might look like and what we learn from that. And I think it is important for us. I am someone who loves to look for women in scripture. It's one of my favorite things to do. We talk about it all the time. Even the unnamed women in scripture, what do we learn from them? And I love that for just one 
Bussin, we get to focus on a woman in the restoration and in this bringing forth of the Lord's church and what was her work and what was her great capacity. And that's what you have to look forward to next week. It might be one of your favorite lessons of this entire <laughs> But for real year. this time. Yeah, <laughs> it really might be. Um, and it's we, a field trip. It's going to be a field trip. We're going to Emma's house, actually. And when we finished recording that lesson, oh, you just wanted to sit in the spirit. So you have a lot to look forward to next week. Yeah, and, and oh, just... Oh, I the, wanted to read this one first, well, can yeah, I? Yeah, before you, because before I, I go. Where, which I one want are you to go read? to nine. Where do you want to go? Okay, let me lead up to nine. Okay. And, I'll, and then you read nine. Okay. Because I was thinking that same exact thing, that as we work through tension, organization, and remember we said at the beginning, God's like, wait, I have an end goal and hope in mind. And he says in seven, I'm going to call that Zion. Mm-hmm. And that means one heart and one mind indwelling in righteousness with no poor. And he says, he's talking about Joseph. He says, I've inspired him to move the cause of Zion in mighty power for good. And those are words that he could say of anybody in any role that they're doing so imperfectly. You know, that I've inspired them to move that cause. And I know their diligence. And I hear their prayers as they try with all their heart to do it. And I've they're weeping for Zion, I've seen. And when I'll cause that they will mourn for her no longer, that wishing and hoping for that eventual cause, he says, for days of rejoicing are to come and manifestations of my blessings upon works. And it's just, I love that idea of like, here it's so, look how pristine it looks in section 20 and like all the titles in 21. And it's like, you all know that you live in it and it's a mess. But there's prayers and there's weeping and there's mighty work and there's blessings and all of those things are happening as the cause of Zion is being brought about. Oh, it's so good. And the reminder that there is a place for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that we're going to learn as we go through this and then um, next week as we enter into that section on Emma, that God sees all of us and there is a purpose for all of us and we are all as beloved to him, everyone. And if you don't feel that belovedness, if you don't feel that sense of purpose in this work, then it's important for us to reach out to him and say, let me see that I'm beloved. Let me see that I am purposed in this work. Let me see where you need me right now. And I love when he says in verse nine, for behold, I will bless all those who labor in my vineyard with a mighty blessing. And don't you love the thought of that, that he's going to bless every one of us who wants to work in this vineyard with a mighty blessing. And maybe it's time to ask what your work is and what your purpose is and where he needs you in the kingdom right now that I have felt so strongly the last couple of weeks. This is not a time to sit still that there is a work to be done. And and one of the great works of our time is to strengthen those things that remain. And for those of us who are here, that's going to be part of our remembering the body of Christ is to strengthen what remains right now. And how could you do that? When you look at your circle of influence and your circumstance and your talents and your capacity, what is that work? in the vineyard? What is your labor? And and to know 
that we have been promised a mighty blessing if we just step into it? Yeah, in in the end and also along the way. Yes, right? along by the, the way. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, yep. right? The will of yep. the Father the will, will be Father carried out. Through his grace. Right. We love it. See you next week. And that place, Harmony. Yes, yeah. yes, See in Harmony. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.